That felt pretty good, having Matt bring the podium out for me for once. I've been waiting for that. Only took a couple months. Hey, good morning, guys. It's good to see you. Good to be seen. Um, if you don't know me, if we haven't gotten a chance to meet, my name is Sam Fisher. I get the honor and privilege of overseeing our worship and outreach teams. And like Matt said, um, we just had two teams come back, one from Estonia and one from Mexico. And I know they had an awesome time, and I'm excited to hear more about that. And I also get to oversee this incredible worship team. They are so awesome, aren't they? They literally don't need me. So now I'm forced to... Uh, you know, preach more, so something a little more nerve-wracking, but no, I'm glad to be here today, glad to be talking with you. I, I do believe that hopefully something I say today can impact you in a, in a new and fresh way, but before I get started, I do want to just take a second. Matt didn't tell me to do this at all, but I do want to honor our awesome pastors. We have two of the most empowering and encouraging people leading this church, and I truly mean that. There's a lot of great things you can say about people and about our pastors specifically, but the way that they love people and entrust people and literally just lead with an open hand and say, here's the platform that I've been given. I want to give everyone a chance to lead, not just new leaders or young leaders, but at any age, any place in your life, they want to see you become the best version of yourself. So if we could just love on them for one second and say thank you. We are better because of you guys and I say that for two reasons. One, because I just want you guys to know how much you mean to me and uh, how much your investment means to me. But also, maybe this is your first time, and uh, you might get to the end of this message and say, wow, that preacher was not what I was expecting. Um, now you have an excuse to come back and hear the real preacher. But uh, today I'm going to talk to you about something that you may be familiar with, you may, may be unfamiliar with, but it's called a pinky promise. Does anyone know what a pinky promise is? Dave, you know what a pinky promise is, right? Let's show them. It's that. That is like law. In the South, a pinky promise is, is better than a man's word. It's like a man's word times two. And so as a kid, um, I used to love, absolutely love making pinky promises. I don't know what it was about pinky promises, but I guess it's something about this pact and like no one ever would make a secret handshake with me. So it was kind of like a secret handshake. And so I would, with anyone and everyone, teachers, parents, friends, it didn't matter. I would try to find some reason, some excuse to, to make a pinky promise. And um, so as a kid, I would make these pinky promises all the time. So I, I tell you that to say, I also, maybe you saw this on Friday. I hope that you didn't. But I don't wear shorts very often. And by very often, I mean never. Um, the pool party Friday was probably the first time any of you have seen anything from my neck down. Um, but there's, I have this little birthmark on my leg. And uh, my mom used to tell me growing up, she's like, you know, birthmark is an angel's kiss. I don't know if any of you have heard that. My birthmark is not an angel's kiss. My birthmark is a bite mark from Satan. It is this brown thing. And as a kid, I didn't get hair on my legs, but it, hair came out of that thing. And it was so, I, I hated it. Now, I'm not saying all birthmarks are bad. I've seen some beautiful birthmarks. Mine, however, I did not like. And, um, and so as a kid, I I'm from Georgia, and so you wear shorts a lot. Yeah, let's go. You wear shorts a lot more often, and you go to the pool a lot and stuff. So as a kid, I did wear shorts more. 
And I used to be so embarrassed of it. So what I'd do is I would grab these little circle Band-Aids. I don't know if you've seen those. But they're the perfect size that would fit right over a birthmark. And so I used to put these Band-Aids on my birthmark to cover them up because I didn't want anyone to see. And it did kind of help with friends. They usually thought I was, like, really dangerous and wild. They're like, Sam's always covered in Band-Aids. Like, this dude is mad. And I'm like, well, you know, whatever. I should maybe start pulling them back out. But um, I remember this one time uh, my mom approached me, and uh, she was like, hey, Sam, um, just quick question. We are going through like boxes and boxes of these circle band-aids. I'm not saying you have anything to do with it, you know, but if you have any idea, like I just would love some some insight here. And I was like, okay, you caught me redheaded. I I'm not a good liar. I just immediately shut down. If it's like any indication that you know what's going on, I'm just like, yep, I'll tell you. And I said, but I will tell you what's going on if you make me a pinky promise. You will not tell anyone. And so we made the pinky promise. Boom, pinky promise initiated, packed, made. She can never go back on her word. So I say, well, you know, I got the birthmark thing. It's kind of not cool. It's trying to cover it up. All good. Don't worry. I'll keep buying you hundreds of dollars of circle Band-Aids every week. So fast forward a little bit. Uh, I played baseball um, as a kid growing up and uh, probably nowhere as good as as Bobby was, but I did play baseball. I think there are two reasons, as I'm learning as I grow up, that I like playing baseball. One, it's the only sport where you can wear skinny pants um, and still play. And two, uh, if you're, you know, first through fifth grade playing ball and you're the outfielder, you don't have to do anything because the ball never goes past the infield. So we would just chill out and, you know, pick grass and stuff like that. So one day I'm out at a baseball game with my friends and um, I look over, and my mom is is giggling with, you know, some of her friends in the stands. And me being the funny guy, I'm like, oh, okay, I did something. Let's walk over and see what I did to make them laugh. And uh, I, it was me, you know, you already know where I'm going with this. I, it was me making them laugh. However, it, they weren't really laughing with me. They were laughing at me because my mom was telling them about the Band-Aids. Yes, aw. Uh, now, my mom is watching right now, I think, and uh, I called her before uh, today and asked her if I could share this story, and she almost didn't even remember it, and uh, she was like, yeah, you can absolutely tell the story, but you know that I love you, right? Like, I wasn't trying to, like, intentionally ruin your life as a kid, <laughs> and I was like, yes, I know. It's a point that I'm trying to make. But in that moment, I did feel like my world was falling apart. I have to literally quit the baseball team, like pack up my bags, quit school, move to some city that this news hasn't traveled to, that someone doesn't know about this circle band-aid dilemma. And maybe some of you, as I tell that story, have said to yourself, man, I've, I've done that to somebody, or somebody's done that to me. You made a, a promise to someone And you intended on keeping it, and you didn't mean to break it, but you did. Or maybe you made a covenant with your husband or your wife, and you said, we're going to be faithful to each other, and then someone was unfaithful. They didn't mean to, but they broke a promise. Or or maybe your girlfriend or boyfriend, they gave you like a promise ring and said, we're going to be together forever. And then now you're single 
and you're not dating anyone. Or maybe you went to a church for the first time, and the pastor stood up here and said, I'm going to be different than every other pastor that you've ever had in your life. And then they hurt you the same way. As a kid, my parents were perfect in my eyes. They don't mess up. They don't break up. You don't fight. It's perfect. They're your parents. But the reality is, is she didn't wake up that day and say, man, I, you know what? Today would be a good day to just completely crush Sam. I'm just going to destroy him, embarrass him in front of all his friends. That wasn't her intention, but she did. She, she let me down unintentional. But here's the bad news, is that we will probably let you down at some point too. My hope today is as we read through some scripture and, and tell some stories that you'll see that one thing remains true. It's that people will let you down, but God will never let you down. And some of you, I know some of you are sitting in this room right now saying, but it really does feel like God has let me down. It feels like he really doesn't care about me. How can God be the comforter of my life when I feel alone? I lay in bed by myself at night and I feel really alone. How can he be the healer when I still feel like I haven't seen breakthrough and healing in my life? How can these words be true? But we're going to learn today how to get on the other side of these difficult seasons with a faith mindset. Now, in Exodus, if you're familiar, there's a story about Moses, and he is set to lead the Israelites to the promised land. God has promised them this promised land. And so we, where we find them is they're in this wilderness, and this journey, I was looking up a little bit, the journey should have lasted about 11 days, but it lasted 40 years, if you're familiar with the story. But he never stopped talking to them. He never stopped providing for them. He never stopped caring for them or speaking to them. He provided manna for them daily. Manna is just a fancy word for bread from heaven. I've never received bread straight just fallen from the sky. How could they, how could they have doubts and not trust God and who he says he is? They actually doubted so much, they doubted about 10 different times, it says in the Bible. And, and I know a good bit about testing uh, my parents. I don't know if uh, many of you are good kids or bad kids. I was a, you know, on the line kid. I could kind of teeter to the bad side. And I tested my parents quite a bit. And so I know a little something about timeouts. And, uh, and I know if I would get put in a timeout, and then I kept acting up, I kept disobeying, I kept doing the thing they told me not to do. They would say, great, just add another five minutes to it. Add another five minutes. They could go all night if they wanted to. But they weren't going to not feed me. They weren't going to give me food that night. They weren't going to stop providing or giving me what I needed for the next day. They, they're my parents. They love me. They care about me. But they're a little further ahead than I was and know, hey, I'm doing this for your good. I need you to have this little bit of a timeout. And I, I know sometimes I'd be in a timeout, and I'd be like, well, I just need new parents. I'm sure none of you have said that before. I, this is really sounding like I don't love my parents. I do love my parents. <laughs> um, but they even said that. The Israelites, they were like, we just need a new leader. 
This guy's awful. He doesn't know what he's doing. Numbers 14, 1 through 4 says, That night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. God's promise was never void, but because of their own selfishness, what should have lasted 11 days took 40 years. Now, if you fast forward to the end of the story, they do make it to the promised land. But one thing I realized in reading this story is that the promise is up to God, but the journey is up to us. We all get put in timeouts from time to time. They all look a little bit different, but timeouts is, is a part of growth. It's the nature of growth. But what we get to choose is how we handle the timeout. Now, I don't believe God is a father in the same way that we are our parents. He is far better than we could ever be as a parent. He is equally as just as he is kind. He doesn't break pinky promises. He doesn't let us down. But in Numbers uh, 23, 19, it says, God is not human, that he should lie, not a human being, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? He doesn't say he's going to do something and then go back on what he said. But sometimes we need a timeout to level up. Now, why do I, I tell you all this? Because the standard for me is no different than the standard for you. This, I don't know, what does this look like? Five feet, Dave? Four feet? Yeah. I don't have good depth. I didn't say I know uh, construction. Okay. Half of five. This platform doesn't make me any different from you. We're all human. We were all brought into the world the same way. And I believe that past any of your hobbies or the things you like to do with your free time or the things that you care about, beyond all that, me and you are both Christians or aspiring Christians and are trying to be the best version of ourselves. And that standard is the same for me as it is for you. God calls us to the same place. Now, if I don't meet a certain standard, I may get fired from my job. You may not get fired from your job. But the standard is still the same. People will let us down. That is a promise. But God will never let you down. Just like we read, the people made mistakes. Us, not God. But did God ever forsake them? Did he ever stop blessing them with the manna they needed daily to survive? No, because God isn't like us. His love for us and decision to bless us is not based on what we do or don't do. So no matter what, God is not through with you. God is not done with you. God loves you. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. But how many parents in this room have put their kids in timeout because you love them, because you care for them, because you want what's best for them. 
Sometimes you say, you're going to sit in that corner until you figure it out. It's not because I hate you. It's because I love you. I care about you. And your relationship with God cannot be based on anybody in this room. I stand on this stage to help us. Matt stands on this stage to help us. Anyone who stands on this stage is here to help us grow closer to God. But your relationship with God is your relationship with God. It's not determined on how, how well I can love you today because I am a human and I will let you down. That is not my intention. I do not wake up any morning saying, I can't wait to let these people down. But I might do it. And the person to the left of you, the person to the right of you, that may happen. Someone in your small group may say, hey, call me whenever you need me. And you call them at 3 a.m. and they don't pick up. It's not intentional, but we let people down. But your relationship with God is, is your relationship with God. Don't let anyone around you determine that. Hebrews 12, 7 through 11 says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good. In order that we may share in his holiness, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. He disciplines us for our good because he cares for us, because he loves us. Okay, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I told you a funny story, but I want to tell you a little more serious story. So I've been in ministry for about 10 years now, roughly. I uh, started when I was about 19. I got hired um, at a church in Georgia and, you know, single, making $30,000 a year to play music at church. I was, where do you go from there? That's the tip top. That's the ceiling. Um, I was loving it, though. I loved every minute of it. I, I didn't really, I wouldn't say I really grow up, grew up knowing um, that I wanted to be in church. Um, but when I was 19, I got saved, and I realized, like, I immediately got called, and said, like, this is what I want to do with my life. And so I was working at this church, and about five years into working at this church, I got called into uh, my pastor's office, and um, I could tell it wasn't really a uh, promotion conversation. <laughs> if you know what that means, that means it was bad. Um, and he proceeded to tell me where he felt like I had missed the mark in a couple of different areas, and that he wasn't going to fire me. I just, like, couldn't work there anymore. And if you're confused by that, that means I'm fired, but I get to tell people that I wasn't fired. So now everyone knows I got fired. Um, now, Matt, this is not the first time Matt's hearing about this. Don't worry. Uh, nothing to tell there. But all that to say is in that moment, I was really frustrated and I was really upset. And I kind of hit this point where I'm like, well, this sucks, but also like, wait a second, 
if if you had been a, if you had done this, then that wouldn't have happened. If you had done that, this wouldn't have happened. And I'm a young leader. I don't know any better. Like, what, couldn't you have like helped me a little bit or coached me a little bit or you, 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 you? And I didn't take any responsibility on myself. Those were my choices, my actions, and ultimately it was up to me and my responsibility to hold myself to that standard, and I missed the mark. Now, I, t- I tell you that because I could have focused on what they did wrong, and I did for a minute. They were judgmental. Where was the grace for me? They couldn't, could they have listened to my side of the story and like helped me get to the other side? But did God stop providing for me Did God stop speaking to me or giving me what I needed? Absolutely not. I got to stay in ministry and keep doing what I love to do. I still had money to eat food and a family that loved me and friends that cared for me. But the next five years would be really, really hard for me. It was a growing season for me, and I had to be ready for it. Even though I was able to stay in ministry, everything that I had built there Everything I felt like God had spoken to me, what he had promised me, what he had said, hey, you're going to do this as a leader, was gone like that. No one's going to trust me anymore. No one's going to take a chance on me anymore. I'm done. That's it. God's got nothing left with me. And I think some of you probably know what I mean, you've felt that feeling, maybe you've gotten kicked out of a church or were forced to leave, or you left on bad terms, church people weren't nice to you, and you found yourself separated from community. But I had to realize the truth, that I needed a timeout. I needed to grow up, I needed to level up a little bit. It wasn't God being done with me, but it was help, him helping me to grow. And it could be the same for you today. Now, I say that because sometimes we do mess up, right? In that situation, I had some things that I probably could own. And, and you get in trouble for it. And it's like, okay, like I can sleep better at night knowing like I did X, Y, Z. But sometimes you don't do anything wrong. And you still get in trouble. And I know some of you are sitting in this room saying, Sam, I have done everything right. I've done everything I possibly could. And I've not done the things I'm not supposed to do. And I want us to see both sides of this. Because in the Bible, you have uh, David, who slept with Bathsheba, a married woman, 100% in the wrong. Not cool. Can't do that. I guess you can, but you shouldn't. And then Joseph was accused of sleeping with Potiphar's wife. He didn't do this at all. It was an accusation. But God wasn't through with either of them. What I want us to see in telling you both sides is that favor isn't fair. Favor is found in the eyes of the Lord. And he lavishes, God lavishes favor upon his children. God was doing something. And now God didn't make those situations happen. We have the choice to choose what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. But God used that situation. Joseph said, 
Use me no matter what. Genesis 39, 20 through 23 says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. I want us to see both sides because sometimes you are in the wrong, and sometimes you need a timeout. And sometimes you get in a situation that you didn't foresee. You can't really control. If you could have gone back, maybe you would have done a couple things different. But you find yourself in a situation, you're like, I didn't do anything. And in both situations, the same thing is true. God is for you. He is for you. He's not done with you. He's not through with you. He wants the best for your life. Now, I don't want you to leave here today and say, okay, I have heard exactly what you said. People are terrible. I should go off and live in a desert by myself and not trust anyone ever again. That is not what I'm saying. But what I do want us to see is what you can and can't control. And you can't control people and what they do to you. All the moms in the room are like, correct. You cannot control anyone. You may not even be able to control what people say about you. But even in the lion's den, when you're looking straight at the fire, God is with you. He's right there beside you every step of the way. He cares for you. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. When you're in the right, when you're in the wrong, when it's easy, when it's hard, he will never give up on you. He will never let you down. Because God sees you, and he sees your heart, but he also sees the heart of your enemies. In Deuteronomy, God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. David wrote, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. And Jesus said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We are his children, and no place you will ever go will ever be the perfect situation. There will never be the perfect church. There will never be the perfect pastor, the perfect friend group, the perfect school system, the perfect neighborhood. There's no perfect place. The only thing we can actually count on to be perfect is Jesus. And he is perfect in all of his ways. Now, I do want to circle back and kind of put a bow on the ending of the story I was telling earlier. It's okay if I come just down here with you. Now I look at my life. And I sit here before you, and I would say I'm happier than I've ever been in my entire life. We have some of the best leaders, the best people, the best teams. And today, 
the stuff God spoke to me years ago, years ago, is truer today than it's ever been before. God never gave up on me. He never left my side. He walked every step of the way with me. But I needed to grow up. I needed a, a little time out to level, level up, to fix some things. But God's never stopped speaking. And you guys get the version of me today because of those five years. They were not easy. They were hard. They were tough. I wouldn't necessarily say I'd go back and do it again, but I did it, and I'm grateful for it. And I'm the man I am today because of those five years. And guess what? I have another five years coming. Yeah. People break their promises, even pinky promises. But God will never let us down. He'll never give up on us. He'll see us through to the very end. And maybe today as I have been talking with you, you've said to yourself, man, I, I think I want what that guy's talking about. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to put him at the center of my life and say, God, I want to do it your way, not my way. Or maybe you're sitting in this room and you said, I, I used to believe, I used to think that way. But I, I need to recommit my life and say, God, I, I'm not going to do it my way anymore. I need to do it your way. And I want to give us an opportunity to do that to, today together. What we like to do here is we, we say a prayer, and there's nothing magic about the prayer. But we say it together aloud as a church for the benefit of those who might be saying it for the first time. But I think e either way, if it's your first time, your 15th time, these words are still true. I think we all can say, God, we need to lean on you and not our own understanding. I put my trust and my faith in you today. So let's close our eyes and let's say these words together. Dear God, I am a sinner. I need a savior. Save me. Forgive me. In faith, I declare, Jesus is Lord. Give me your spirit. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me to follow you. In your name, I pray. Amen. And keep your eyes closed for just a couple seconds more. If you said that prayer for the first time today, or maybe you're saying, I'm coming back to you, God. I'm going to count to three, and at the end of three, I just want you to shoot your hand up really high in the air. One, two, three. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to worship together as a church, as a family. There is an awesome prayer team that will be in the back during this last song. If you raised your hand and you need prayer or you want someone to talk to, please do not feel uncomfortable. Do not feel weird. Do not feel like you can't move through the row. Go find someone to pray with you. We would love to pray with you.
Even if you didn't raise your hand, you need prayer for something, we want to pray for you. We have the best prayer team. I truly believe that. But let's stand together. Let's worship the one who will never let us.